Welcome to First in Maine, your avenue to living well. I'm Debs here with my amazing co-host Lauren to meet you in the busyness of your everyday life, to pass along some of the insights and wisdom we've gained over the years. Don't try to figure out life alone. We want to connect you to some of the incredible, well-rounded people in our world. They're life coaches, counselors, pastors, physicians, just amazing people who can help you along the way. Each episode, we'll be sharing personal stories, practical help, and timeless principles to help you live at your best. So lean in and let's tackle life together. Hello, hello. Welcome back to First in Maine. Well, we are in the month of love and it was just Valentine's. So we thought it would be a great time to talk today a little bit about relationships. In our last episode, we were talking about rocking your vision with Karen. Yes, and that was really good. Yeah, I've had a lot of feedback from that. (laughs) And that made us think about other things that we can rock in our new year. And relationships is one of the things that we want to be able to rock this year. Yeah. And so today's episode is really about the building blocks for having a strong and healthy relationship. And so even if you are single and you're not married today, this is a great episode still for you. Yeah, we've got some special guests with us here today, uh, three of our friends. So I'm going to start with um, Nick and Danielle. We, Nick was on one of our previous episodes that we got so much feedback on, which was snip it, stop it, or stick with it. So Nick, welcome back. It's my pleasure to be here. Can I say your better half is with you? <laughs> Sure. <laughs> <laughs> kidding, kidding. Danielle, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank All you right. for having me. Amazing couple. How long have you guys been married? 19 years now. Okay. Yeah, 20. Awesome. Yes. So a little bit of context. Just tell us just real briefly about yourselves. Sure. Well, my better half can go first. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm living in Atlanta, but I'm Australian born and bred and met Nick over in London when I moved there. And I heard a pretty interesting story. Mm-hmm. So your best friend actually married mm, Nick's, Nick's brother. brother. Mm-hmm. Isn't that cool? So you're like, mm-hmm. that's awesome. Yeah. We, we decided when we were living together as 18-year-olds that uh, we were quite opposite. And so for some reason we decided brothers would be opposite too. <laughs> and so we should marry brothers and then we'll forever be in each other's lives. And my brother and I only found out about this after we got married. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So you both serve as campus pastors, a pastoral background, but Danielle, you have done some work, you know, with counseling and mm-hmm. psychology and stuff. Tell yeah. us a little bit about that. I love people. I, that's, the, that's the area I get most enthusiastic about is what makes people tick, what makes people connect, um, people, people, people. Yeah. 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 So a lot of insight we're going to get from you today. And then we have a wonderful dear friend of mine, Wanda. Welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. So uh, Michael is not with you today, but we go back. We actually taught a marriage class together. It was so much fun. Right. That was awesome. Yeah. You two are pretty amazing. And you have quite a testimony, don't you? Yeah, we do. You are a counselor. Yes, I am. Yep. You do uh, trauma resolution right. stuff. Uh-huh. You were actually on radio. You and Michael had a show before, didn't you? We did. We were. Um, it was in Florida. Okay. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. Oh, my goodness. That was awesome. My brother, who is a pastor, okay. he was actually the host. So, yeah. Yeah. He was the host of the show, and he had a segment every week um, for couples, for relationships. So every week we were on there talking about marriage, and we actually had people would call in, uh-huh. and they would ask questions, and we would answer those questions. It was a lot of fun. Oh, gosh. And you've written books, too. Yes. Um, All right. What are they called? Um, I've written two books. One's called A Marriage to Die For, which is a counseling program. <laughs> Love and it. And the other one is, um, you you know what that's all about, right? A Marriage uh-huh. to Die For, Dying yes, to I, Self. I hear it. And the other one was um, specifically for couples who were separated, but desiring to be back together when one spouse walks out and the other spouse is 
praying for the other to return, and that was called the prodigal spouse. Oh, it's so good. So, guys, this is these are great friends of ours, and we're just going to open this up. We're going to get real. We're going to be vulnerable, and we want to just take some of the things that we've learned along our way and hopefully pass them along to you so that um, you can rock relationships. And if you're in a rocky relationship, you can turn that around. Yeah, I'm, you know, you were saying something about maybe being in a rocky relationship and how we can turn that around. So let's start there. Like, have you guys ever been in a, a situation where marriage was a little rocky? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know. We don't call it a situation. <laughs> we call it marriage. <laughs> I think, uh, you know, just harping all the way back to the beginning, uh, what we've realized in our own life and with the couples that we've had the privilege of being able to mentor and pastor, you really don't know who you married until you got married to them. Mm-hmm. And regardless of how much premarital counseling I've done with people, no matter how much uh, premarital counseling we've done and, and preparation that we've done, you really only know the other person once the marriage has actually occurred. And I think one of the things that's quite interesting is in a couple of occasions, there have been some de facto relationships that we've counseled, or at least I've counseled, and they've said, oh, but marriage is just a piece of paper. You know, it's just a it's just a legally binding contract. And after they've gotten married, which then invokes the spiritual aspect of the relationship, suddenly their relationship seems to fall apart. Mm-hmm. So they may have been in relationship for 10, 15 years living together, under one roof as a supposed married couple. But once they say, I do, in the witness and the presence of God, then suddenly the relationship takes an incredible turn. And you really don't know who you've married until you've married them. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that point, that's when the work on the relationship really needs to start. And I just hark back to our first 12 months of marriage. It was, it was rough. It yeah. really was rough. Um, I remember when we were transitioning from London to Australia, we went via South Africa to go see my parents. And I said to my dad, I, I don't know if this is, if this is going to last. Yeah. And he just said to me, you know, Nick, your mom and I, they've not, my parents have now been married uh, for 50-something years now. Wow. And um, he just said, Nick, the first year of your mom and my marriage was an absolute disaster, but I promise you it gets better and better. Uh, and he really encouraged me just to stick in there and just to work on it. Because the truth of the matter is that when it comes to marriage, you know, in Danielle and I, even though uh, we may think similarly in so many different ways, we do come from two completely different cultures. Um, we come from two different times. We come from two different experiences, two different homes, two different families, and two different uh, expectations mm-hmm. and examples that we've had in our homes. And so when you bring all that into a marriage, the two becoming one actually invokes this huge, colossal uh, 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 um, collision, if you like, of these two worlds. And fracture is there and friction is there and sparks and everything begin to fly. And I think that's just part and parcel of the two becoming one. Um, So, yeah, if that answers your question as to are we familiar with conflict, (laughs) heck yes. Oh, that's a good answer. You want to add anything to it? (laughs) I am... Going to wholeheartedly agree. (laughs) We're one in that um, perception, yes. (laughs) Yeah. How about you, Wanda? Well, first of all, I'd like to say only 12 months of hardship. (laughs) I wish. (laughs) Ours was more like the first five to seven years. So I'll just... That was really, really challenging for us. So it wasn't the yeah. first 12 months. It was in the first 12 months, I was like, what the heck? And my dad said, it's going to get better and better. I didn't say it's gotten better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So for us, it was like the first up to the seven year point uh-huh. where it was a real struggle. And we were like, constantly like, what in the world have we done? Like, what have we got? Who is this person? You? Yeah. That I married. What have I done? This was a mistake. Even though we knew it wasn't a mistake, you know, yeah. it felt like a mistake. And I think the biggest thing for us was that we were so different, right. which is usually the case with most married couples. Right, if attract. you take a poll, yeah, mm-hmm. you're attracted to the person that's opposite of you. Mm-hmm. So and the thing that you're attracted to is the thing that drives you crazy afterwards. 
So the very thing that I was attracted to was the thing that annoyed me later about him because we were so different and we did not understand those differences. We didn't appreciate those differences. It was something's wrong with you. What attracted me to Bill was how like together he was. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize he was like really Really together. together. (laughs) So like week one, when he set me down, it was like, we need to have serious conversation. I was like thinking that, you know, like something serious going on. And he sits me down and he's like, um, we need to talk about how to fold the towels. (laughs) (laughs) I was just like, what? (laughs) And he, I mean, he was serious. He literally put the towels on the table and was like, you fold it this way and then you fold it that way and then you put it up this way. And I was just like, are you placing kidding right. me? <laughs> you know, so, but that's what attracted me to me. Exactly. It, you know, yeah. But living with it is a different butt, thing. Right. Exactly. Do you think that we are seeking in a spouse or relationship what's missing in us then? Like I maybe, do. I do. Maybe yeah. because, Debs, I think we're similar in this way and some people like <clears throat> the person sitting next to me might call it even chaotic. We're looking for we're spontaneous. someone. Spontaneous. That's a better yeah. word. Yes. Spontaneous. Spontaneity. We're looking for someone that can bring order and calm. Yeah. Yes. And I believe so that. the person with order and calm mm-hmm. sees spontaneous, someone being spontaneous and goes, that's fun. Yeah. And so that's something they're looking for that they don't have. So, so we make uh-huh. that whole together. Your weaknesses. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. But it drives us crazy at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I am so glad I'm hearing all this right now. <laughs> <laughs> I got married like three years ago and I dated my husband for two years prior. And he's a fun person. Like you just have so much fun with Peyton and he just laughs about everything and jokes. And so that was something I was drawn to him about. And we didn't live together before we got married. And we saw each other maybe twice a week Mm -hmm. during the time we were dating. And so when we got married and I moved in with him, oh my gosh, the first couple of months were fun and it was great. And then like month five, it just really hit hard. <laughs> like, what did we just do? And so I think we go into marriage sometimes with expectations. Yeah. Like we expect marriage to be a certain way, or we expect our partner to act a certain way, or we even put ex- expectations on ourselves, like how we are going to be as a spouse. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they're not realistic mm-hmm. and they're not clear. Mm-hmm. And that can just create a lot of conflict I feel like in a marriage yeah Mm. I'd love to hear maybe an expectation that you had going into marriage how that might have been you know challenged and kind of where you have uh how God has like worked in that area and where you are today with that Mm. I think for me something simple was I expected that I was going to be the one in the kitchen oh like cooking doing all the cooking, because that's what I saw my mom doing. Uh And that's where we get a lot of our expectations from is what we saw growing up. So my mom was a cook. She cooked. She made my dad's plate. She served him. And so my expectation is, hey, I'm going to be the cook. I'm going to serve you. And then I look over my shoulder and he's in the kitchen. (laughs) Like, what can I help with? And I'm like, what do you mean, what can you help with? Like, get out of here. I'm cooking. (laughs) Yeah, so... And that was a big thing for us because he wanted to be in the kitchen too. He wanted to cook as well. So I had to get used to, yeah, this is not your role. This is not what you do. This is not my domain. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) He wants to cook. He enjoys it too. Let him help you. That's awesome. What a great illustration. Anybody else? Mm. I think, you know, we oftentimes bring our expectations from what we see in our own homes growing up into Mm. what we expect marriage to be. And I think the expectation that I had was that marriage was going to be quite easy. I've never heard or seen my mom and dad argue or fight. Really? 100%. Like still to this day, they're like 16-year-old sweethearts. They just are amazing. So my expectation of marriage was what was demonstrated to me. And it it was enlightening when my dad did have that conversation with me when we were in South Africa and just said, Nick, gets better and better, but you need to work on it. You need to work on it. And yeah. so my expectation of marriage was that it was going to be easy and it was going to be a bliss. Mm. <laughs> and it just wasn't. Mm. So um, 
I think that that really did set me up um, and set us up to experience some some disappointment uh, in the early days because I sat there going, well, this doesn't look like what I grew up with. As you said, Wanda, have I now made a mistake? Like, is there is there an exit to this? Is there a back door to this? How do I how, how do I vacate the premises because there's somebody else out there that that can give me what I've seen in mm-hmm. in my life? Yeah, I think that that's like really key and probably the expectation that I had was again like Nick said, being marriage would be easy, but also being understood would be easy, mm. or that him feeling understood would be easy. But it's not. We have to work to under and seek to understand. Um, but one example of like an improvement, I would say. So just from last night, we were having people over for dinner. And in the past, um, if Nick had other appointments or things he needed to do before we were having guests, I would get really stressed out because I would have an expectation, no, these are our guests together. I need you here with me. We need to do this together like any preparation. And yesterday Nick said, oh, I've got an, an appointment and I was like, oh, okay. And as the the day drew, drew on and closer to people coming, I was able to go, no, I didn't communicate to Nick that I needed him here. So I'm actually not going to say anything and I'm just going to be okay. And so that's a growth area for me because other times it would come out in stress or so, you know, not laying expectations on Nick that I have not communicated up front. So good. And then responding to an unspoken expectation is an is an area that I feel like we're getting better at. <laughs> and what that what I mean that's a that's a perfect example. So what that then did for me is when I got home last night, I didn't walk into a barrage of what have I done? <laughs> Instead, what it did was I got home and I'm like, what do you need me to do? So there was an openness and a freedom because I wasn't walking into a stressful environment to then by choice rather than obligation to avoid a conflict, be able to offer my time and my services. So I was able to come home last night and get on with trying to make things as I and helping out in the kitchen and helping around the house and whatever else and the prep that I needed to do for this coming weekend, I was able to put that aside and we all kind of um, got in together. And so it was a it was a peaceful environment that I walked into because as Danielle said, there was no expectation communicated to me. One of the things that I have tried to improve in as well is this communication. So as I was on my, as I was finishing up my appointment, I got a text message saying, hey, how far away from home are you? You know, normally when I'm on my way home, I'm, I'm, I don't text and drive, but um, I'd pull over <laughs> and text <laughs> and, you know, make a phone call or whatever the case might be. But I was able to quickly respond, I'm on my way, which then I know would have helped to, you know, release some of the, the pressure valve. Um, so when I walked in, there wasn't a barrage, but rather there was teamwork there. And it was actually, mm-hmm. it was a really pleasant, it was a pleasant preparation experience. That's awesome. That's really good because I think that's an issue for a lot of us, unspoken expectations. You just think to yourself, well, they should know or, Mm -hmm. you know, he'll know or she'll know rather than communicating what it is you need or what it is you want. Mm -hmm. Um, I think for us, one of my expectations was expecting him to do things the way I do them or to operate the way I operate. And I know dealing with personality, like... I'm a type A, okay. so I'm always busy, always doing something. You know, I can just change at the drop of a dime, and I expected him to be that way. And so he would be watching television, and I would have this brilliant idea about, oh, we can do this. And I'd go in there and be like, hey, babe, let's do this, this, this. I want you to do this, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and then next thing you know, we're in an argument. And I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> what did I do wrong? All I... I'm just asking you to do this. Right. And I just didn't get it. He doesn't operate the way you do. Mm-hmm. He needs downtime. You're like the Energizer Bunny going all the time. Right. He's not. Mm-hmm. So you can't just spring stuff on him. It's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a processor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so if you spring anything on him, it's going to be an argument because he's going to feel like you're just throwing stuff at him, invading his space. I've got to give him notice. Like mm-hmm. I've got to tell him days in advance or at least a day in advance. I can do stuff on a whim, not him. Mm. So I had to understand, hey, that's unreasonable to expect him 
to just drop what he's doing and because you would do the same. Right. No, he doesn't work that way. Right. For someone that is listening today that maybe isn't married yet, but plans on it or maybe is in some process of wedding planning, what are some things that you can tell them or give them advice on about marriage? Well, in the auto industry, there used to be something called gap insurance. So if you totaled your vehicle and the value of the vehicle was actually less than, you know, your coverage or whatever, there was this gap that needed to be filled. You're not going to get around disappointment. Right. Because we all have expectations and nobody, and I think everybody needs to understand this going into relationship, nobody's going to fulfill your every need. It's just not going to happen. So there's going to be disappointment, but Mm -hmm. God is the gap insurance. He is. He he bridges the gap. Yes, he does. He does. (laughs) I love that. Mm -hmm. I would say um, before getting married, um, get to know yourself really well and also get to know that you're like the world doesn't revolve around you. (laughs) Shocking. I know. know, But as single people, you know, I don't think you realize until you're in relationship with someone and then you're sort of hit with, oh, the world doesn't revolve around me. (laughs) So be, be willing to then equally get to know the person that you're becoming in in relationship with and all the nuances and the differences and understanding that, like you said, Wanda, we're two different people and knowing that one is not more right than the other and one is not more wrong than the other. So just having openness to actually knowing that you're not the standard so that you can be open to to learning about the person that you really want to um, be with. Yeah, I, I really do think that, you know, for anybody who's, whether you are planning on getting married or you are married, the way that your relationship was when you were planning on getting married is not going to be what it is after you get married. And it's not going to be what it is 10 years later, 20, 30, 40, 50 years later. And there needs to be these intervals where you do circle up and you recalibrate and you really do sit down and you you talk about your expectations. It's actually a, a current conversation that Danielle and I are having where we now have an 18-year-old and a 16-year-old and our family looks and feels different to what it was when we were in London starting a family. It looked and felt different to what it was when we were in Australia and it now looks and feels different. What we didn't do was that when we were in these big seasons and these big moments in our relationship we just figured that we could wing it. And as a result of winging it, we just kept on bumping into disappointment. Mm. There's a great saying that says, if you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there. (laughs) And we didn't know where we were going. So we kept arriving at exactly the default of who we were in our brokenness. Mm. Because it's behind closed doors with the person that you said, I want to spend the rest of your life together that you then really let the walls and the masks down and they get to see the the beauty and the ugliness. And we don't always want to deal with the ugliness because it requires vulnerability towards a person who you don't want to be perceived as being second rate to. So you deal with pride and vanity and all that sort of stuff in the relationship at the same time. Mm. But at the at this there has to come a point where you sit down and you recalibrate and you say, what is the next 10 years going to look like? I used to say to my staff when dealing with clients before we came into ministry, when you're dealing with a situation, you can either give up, you can wing it, or you can battle plan it. And oftentimes what we do in relationships is we never battle plan anything. Mm-hmm. We go into life, we go into relationships, and we make, the, we make our vows, you know, till death do us part. And yet we either give up or we just wing it. And so what we do is that we go around the same roundabout again and again and again. I love this quote. There was an interview that was done with uh, the late Billy Graham. And the interviewer asked him this question, you know, do you and Ruth ever talk about divorce? And he paused for a minute and he goes, no, but we discuss murder. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that's what happens in a relationship when we aren't battle planning it. And I think it's just laziness and, and complacency on our part 
that we are unwilling to actually circle up and have those conversations. And if it's not laziness and complacency, oftentimes it's hurts and pains because we set out not our relationship with no expectations. And so as a result of us having no expectation of what is good and healthy within the bounds of selflessness, that then we experience this trouble and this pain and it's death by a thousand cuts. Mm. So that when we do get to these milestone moments in our relationships, I'm not going to let you have the upper hand. And I'm not going to be vulnerable in front of you anymore. Yeah. Because the last time I was, you hurt me, you ripped my heart out. And so I can't trust you. And so as a result of us not battle planning, we wing it until we get to the point where we give up. The Bible says in all you're getting, get an understanding. Yeah. And I think that that goes hand in hand with being battle ready. You know, I think a lot of us come into relationships, into marriage without an understanding of what marriage really is. We've got this fantasy idea of, Oh, we're going to live The Bachelor. <laughs> After, yeah, exactly. And it's just not realistic. Yeah. So get an understanding of what marriage is. Educate yourself. I think a turning point for us was having mentors yeah. in our life. So even if you're not married, get around people that are. Get around people that have wisdom, that have an understanding, that can pour into you. So good. Yeah. I think also... Prior to being married, understanding what commitment really is and knowing that when you say I do, you say I do until death do us part. And a lot of people, I don't want to say a lot of people, but some people go into a marriage and they view it as a contract instead of a covenant. And going into a marriage and having the commitment and you are fighting for your marriage no matter what, and you know that this is the commitment and the choice that you made for your life and sticking with that. I think is really ideal. And for someone that's, you know, getting ready to get married, I think that that's something that that needs to be thought about. You know, and talked is this, about. <laughs> is this somebody that I really want to do life with for the rest of my life? Yeah. And commitment these days, especially in our society, most people don't stick to a job. They don't, you know, commitment, it's commitments are shallow. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, there, obviously we need grace. So marriage is God's idea. It's a covenant, mm-hmm. just what you say. It's not man. It's not you know our idea. It's God's idea. So if you're going to rock it in your marriage, you got to rock it on the foundation of what He set it out to be and how He says to do it. Yeah. All right. So let's just um, let's talk about personalities. We brought it up a little <laughs> bit. I'd like to hear how your personalities are a little bit. You know what they are, and then how your spouses are different, and how you've learned to identify your spouses personality and work with it instead of against it. A D yep, or choleric would be my dominant. And Michael would be an S in that D-I-S-C uh-huh. or phlegmatic. Okay. So we are actually at the end of both spectrums. <laughs> we are completely opposite, <laughs> completely. So he's more laid back, calm, easygoing. I'm not that. <laughs> so I'm the one that's more loud and just outgoing and, you know, um, the type A, direct, get Mm -hmm. to the point, tell it like it is. And in in our marriage, I remember in the early days, I would just just say things, you know, it's on my mind, I'm just saying it. And then he's upset. And I'm like, what? All I said was, you know, Uh fill in the blank, just oblivious to the fact that, look, girl, you can't just walk around saying whatever you want (laughs) to say, just because it's on your mind. Well, it's the truth. Yeah, it might be the truth, but now's not the time to say it, you know? And I just didn't get that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that was a big struggle for us because we were completely opposite, night and day. And um, we actually read this book um, called The Temperament That God Gave Your Spouse. Uh And that was so enlightening for us. Uh, It really broke down the personalities and how to deal with a person who's a phlegmatic, and what your weaknesses are, because each personality has strengths and each personality has weaknesses. And like you were saying, Danielle, earlier, it's the weaknesses in your own personality that you're attracted to in that other person. Mm -hmm. So that other person is outgoing and you're very shy. And deep down inside, you kind of wish you were kind of outgoing. You know, Uh you admire that about that person. Or that other person is very organized and they've got it all together Uh and you're just a mess. 
And so you look at them and you're like, oh, man, I really admire that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we're kind of drawn to that. And like you said, Deb, at the same time, it can cause conflict if you don't understand Mm -hmm. how to deal with those strengths and weaknesses. Because in reality, we we kind of sharpen each other, you know, because he's helping you become more outgoing or more organized because the truth is you really need to be a little more organized. And she's helping you come out of your shell a little more because the truth is you can't just live your life like a turtle, (laughs) right? Hibernating. So you're kind of, you're helping each other. Mm. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. I like that. So I think it's really, really, um, I think it's important. I wouldn't say everybody has to do it, but I do think um, it's very beneficial to take the time to understand all the personality um, types and differences. And I do love, I know it's an old fashioned one, but I do love the Myers, Myers-Briggs mm-hmm. tests. And you can do that for free online. You can go to, uh, it's called 16personalities.com or another good one is humanmetrics.com. And so what you end up being able to discover is not only like a little bit more enlightening about yourself, right? you know, like um, it, I, I'm amazed at how accurate some of these descriptions yeah. are when you, you do the test and you read it and you're like, that's me, that's so me. And it actually helps you understand because it will tell you your weaknesses and your strengths. Yeah. Right. And um, to do that, to get your partner to do that as well, even friendships too, you can get your friends to do that. If you're finding a communication blockage or you keep getting like in the same spot that's uncomfortable, mm-hmm. you know, doing those tests together can really help you to um, see how the other person thinks internally, how they perceive things, so how your perception of the world is different. Right. Um, because that's how you react to things, you know, like you react based on perception right. as well as understanding. And so I think it's very beneficial to go away and, and do those tests for yourself and anyone that you you want real true um, intimacy with. And um, I know that when Nick and I did it a few years ago, we were just like, oh, that's why you do that. <laughs> like, oh, I understand. And you can appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, you're not way. crazy after all. Yeah, instead of, yeah, instead of going, you're so a this and that or you're you so and so dude, you can kind of go oh like there's a whole group of you like oh there's a whole group like me too yeah. like you know we're and we're all great people yeah. you know there's not one wrong and one right, right you know way of thinking and perceiving and but it just helps us appreciate yeah. the differences um and another one that um we actually only recently really kind of talked about and discovered which is crazy is that we grew up on different continents, in different cultures, like totally Mm -hmm. different Mm -hmm. and realise that a lot of the areas that we kind of clashed in were actual cultural differences and it's important to understand different cultures does not make you who you are. Mm -hmm. So you've been influenced by culture but that's not who you are. Mm -hmm. So, again, it's having that understanding. So one example would be um, I'm Australian and typically... And it, it's, it actually, I think the reason why it's been recent, you know, kind of like light bulb moments is because we now don't live in either one of our cultures. We uh-huh. live in America, so it's totally neutral. And I think that's what helped us actually to go, oh, you know. Um, so in Australia, now that I'm in America, I can see <laughs> that typically we are kind of like a very sarcastic, very mocking culture and very easygoing like literally if we like you the more we like you the more we'll kind of tease Uh and mock and it's ridiculous and when you're Australian and living in Australia it works for everybody there you know we get it we get it and everyone has fun and it's a good time and you know (laughs) but um, Nick comes from uh, Zimbabwe which is uh, very much about respect um, you know very much respectful culture and um, so you put respect with someone who comes in a, from a mocking culture and wow. you can see <laughs> we ran into trouble. Mm, right? Maybe just a little bit. Right. So he would be like, you know, you're being so rude to me or whatever. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm just joking. You know, I'm having fun. I'm having fun. <laughs> and he's like, this isn't fun. You're actually like you're hurting my feelings. Or, But it took a while to realise that's not 
see, I'm not trying to be horrible. That's not who I am. That's the culture I was raised in. Yeah. And if you can try and separate and understand yeah. that, um, then that helped us, I think. What do you think, Nick? Yeah. Um, I definitely think that one of the things when it comes to personalities is there has to, again, be a willingness to get out of your own way. Yeah. I remember being at a wedding and the best man stands up and he is telling this long-winded joke and really the crux of the joke was uh, a lady walks into the room after 10 years of getting married and she's bawling her eyes out and she sees her husband sitting at the end of the, the bed and she's complaining to him that he's not the man that she married because she spent the last 10 years trying to make him more like her. And so if we aren't careful in trying to make the other person's personality turn out to be more like us, we actually set about changing the person and we need to be careful. You mm. might actually get what you want Ooh. and the person then is no longer the person that you married right. because you've actually beaten, battered and bruised and chipped away and remolded them in your image and you're just as broken as what they were. Mm -hmm. And so there's an appreciation that needs to go into this is who God's made you. You be the best version of you. Mm. God's made me this. I need to be the best version of me. Mm. I had the privilege of having a conversation with somebody just recently who um, has uh, entered into marriage and they're having the same thing. They're going, did I just make the biggest mistake of my life? Now, the thing is, is that when they were courting, his personality and all the core of who he was was everything that she was attracted to. Mm -hmm. Her personality and everything that is at the core of her personality was what he was attracted to. But the thing is, is that it's almost like one of those old, if, if, if you can imagine one of those, um, those, those microscopic images of a, of, of a cell or a bacteria or something, you've got the nucleus and off of it, you've got all of these spines and all of these spikes, you've got all these little tentacles. Mm -hmm. And that's what it is like with us. The core of who we are is so often times marred by all the rubbish that we've got going on around our lives that instead of us attacking the stuff that's around our lives and dealing with the, with, with the peripheral things, we go after the core of who the person actually mm -hmm. is. Mm -hmm. And so what you're left with is you still got all this damage around, but then now the core is empty. Um, and that's what um, there's a Bible verse about the fire that um, when when God like refines silver, mm -hmm. he's actually taking the fire the takes off all the dross. I don't know how to say it properly, but yep. there's a verse about that. Yeah. And just going back to the cultural things, just to, <laughs> I just want to make sure, um, me knowing that my culture taught me to be a certain way, you know, yeah. whether it's sarcastic or whatever, that understanding doesn't give you an excuse. Right. What it means is it gives you a platform to say, okay, I'm hurting him. So just I don't come from a place of I'm right because that's how I grew up. I come from a place of if that hurts him, then I need a change. Mm -hmm. And he can understand, well, that's how Danielle grew up and that's just a little bit of how she is and maybe there is a bit of fun in there and he, he can accept. So we meet in the middle. So mm. it, the understanding gives you a platform to create your own culture within your own home. Oh, I love yeah, that. I good. love yeah. that. I think also keeping in mind that even though this is your personality, that we're not to be led by mm. that. We're to be led by the Spirit. Mm. So we have to invite the Holy Spirit in to do a work in us and to change right. those things about us that are not, <clears throat> excuse me, that are not like Him not and that image. are hurtful to mm -hmm. our spouses. We can't just you know, be flat-footed, well, this is who I am, right. this is how I am, exactly. and you're just going to have to live with it. No, we're to be led by the Spirit of God. Yeah, and be transformed, Yeah, which is, a, I mean, it's not an easy thing, but it's a beautiful thing. Yep. And scriptures, that's the thing. We talk about culture. There's the culture of the kingdom. Mm -hmm. You know, we can be led by the Spirit. We are transformed by the Spirit. And what the Lord allows by being inside of us is teaching us how to prefer one another's above ourselves, right. how to lay our lives down, our preferences and stuff for another. And the more that we walk in the spirit and become more aware of who we are, more appreciative of who God has created others to be, we can find that place of where we meet in the middle. And it can be, I mean, it's a, it is an amazing process, not an easy one, 
But that's what growth is all about. God is always growing us into someone and helping us to become, you know, a better version of ourselves. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. I heard this quote. It <clears throat> says, um, the goal of marriage is to not think alike, but to think together. And I think that's pretty key in everything that we've been talking about today is that we don't have to be alike. We don't have to do things alike, but we, we're together, so we need to do things together. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about communication. We talked about personalities. But what about the good stuff, right? I mean, marriage is fun. I have enjoyed yeah. so far, and I plan to continue enjoying my marriage. Um, but, you know, being married, you get to hang out with your friend, your best friend all the time. You watch TV together. You have meals together. Um, you know, marriage is fun. I mean, there's definitely some downs. But let's talk about the fun stuff now. Yes, let's do that. <laughs> We're ending on a high. <laughs> you know, there's different ways to um, show affection. And spending time with somebody or with your partner is one way. Or, you know, laughing with them, joking. There's different things. And some relationships have hobbies that they enjoy doing together. Some people like to cook together. Not Wanda and Michael. <laughs> oh, wait, 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 wait. Actually, I've got a story Wanda about Michael that. Now we do. do they now. love it. And that's one of the fun things that we had started mm-hmm. doing, if I can share that. Yeah. We started something called um, Mystery Dinner Night. Ooh. Yeah. And so we haven't done it in a while. But yeah, I need to do that with your partner up. if you trust them. <laughs> so the way it works is you take turns planning a romantic dinner at home for the other person. You plan the menu. I mean, we went all out. We printed menus, you oh, know, what love the main course, the dessert, all of that. And then you go shopping for the ingredients. The other person has no idea what is going to be for dinner that night. But the two of you cook it together. So that night you go in the kitchen. You know, we put on some romantic music, light some candles, get the menu out, get the ingredients out, and start cooking that together. So the other person didn't know what was going to be for dinner oh, until it. that night. How fun. It was so much fun. Well, that's that a great idea. Awesome. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, for Peyton and I, we we like to play golf together. Uh-huh. I haven't really played in a while, though. But um, that was something we always enjoyed doing. Um, we, I mean, when you play golf, that's like a four or five hour thing. You don't play very fast. Well, I don't play very fast. Yeah. And so um, playing golf and then going and get something to eat. You know, some people like to, I don't know, what, do you, what are some things y'all like to do? I just like spending time yeah. with Nick. I just like... It's easy to do. Yeah. <laughs> no, I just... We've had so much fun just on like traveling in the car yeah. and I, anything that we just get to be hanging out, you know, in the car, listening to music, um, road trips we love. We mm-hmm. love to take road trips together, so... I can totally see y'all doing road trips yeah. and I can see the playlist rolling. Yeah. And Danielle, if y'all get to know Danielle, she <laughs> loves music. Mm-hmm. And I can see the two of you just like singing lyrics to the, yeah. do you do that? Singing, no. <laughs> <laughs> but the bopping along, yeah. So yes, becoming a grey nomad, I, I can see that. I think Danielle and I both have a little bit of that adventurous spirit. And one of the yeah. things that I've always appreciated is I've I've always had a pull to the outdoors. So anything to do with anything outdoors, I love to do it. I'm not one of these exercises that will just, you know, I don't want to go on a run. I'm like, <laughs> I need to be running for a for a purpose. Either right. I'm running away from somebody <laughs> or uh, I'm running towards something. Right. Um, but just going on a jog like that just it doesn't it doesn't do it for me. And so for Danielle and I, we both have an adventurous spirit. And one of the things that we've just been blown away by here, just just to brag on America for a little bit, is you guys have the entire world on one continent. Like you really can explore Mm -hmm. everything that the world has to offer on one continent and you don't have to travel far to get it. So you can go to the deserts, you can go to the mountains, you can go to valleys, you can go to canyons, you can go to lakes and rivers and oceans and you name it, it's right here in our own backyard. And one of the things that I love about, you know, spending time with Danielle is we can go exploring your own, our own backyard and we're doing it together and it doesn't feel like a chore. Mm. And so it doesn't need, we don't need to have the fancy in order for us to have a good time together. And I think that's one of the things that has always, um, I've really appreciated about our relationship is that when it comes to exploration, when it comes to spending time together, 
it doesn't need to be bigger than Ben-Hur to do it. It's just the little things um, that just all add up to make these memorable moments. So good. Do you guys plan date nights or do you like take time off to travel or how do you work that in your schedule? How do you spice it Yeah, I think (laughs) it's definitely something that we need to be more intentional about is the date night because, you know, certainly for anybody who's shifted uh, state or shifted country or wherever a shift requires a complete new setting down roots you've been uprooted and whenever you transplant any anything there is a moment where that thing is vulnerable and it needs to be nurtured and it cannot actually do anything more than focus on hibernating and so we've now shifted you know a number of times and each time we do that there is about a two to three year process where you really are super vulnerable and you're finding your network, you're finding your community, you're finding your feet, little things like just knowing where to go shopping and like those become the adventures, those become the date nights. It's like, hey, let's find our way around Publix. And so now that we are really on the other side of that and we now have ourselves situated, we are in that, in that process of going, okay, let's, Let's get back to being intentional about the dating. We love spending time with our kids. Mm. And so we love including Evan and Caitlin in the things that we do together as a family. But we also can't neglect one another. And we can't neglect doing things intentionally for our relationship. So I love that. Mm. And I would just say adding to that and how to create fun and all of those things is just recognising seasons like what Nick was alluding to. Um, marriage is a covenant forever but it will have many seasons mm-hmm. and just holding on through the seasons Yeah. Um, when it's not fun, it will get fun. Yeah. Yeah. It will, just holding on to that covenant. That. Yeah. Yeah. You have to be intentional, I think, Um yeah. Now, Wanda, you, I ha, you're going to have to share your, like, sex plan. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> because you talked so about marriage So when I said intentional, you thought Bill about was that, over right? Like, yep, I like that. We're doing that. We're doing that. So tell everybody yeah. about that. So, yeah. So you have to be intentional. Um, the sex plan. Yeah, let's talk, so, let's talk yeah, about so sex, we talked baby. about. <laughs> <laughs> so we talked about how everybody's different, right? So everybody has a different sex drive as well, right? So you may want it. He doesn't want it. Or the opposite, you know. <laughs> if that's happening in somebody's marriage, I'm very interested. Okay, anyway, never mind. Never mind. So what we did was, Man. and let me say that some may say, oh, this is so prudish. I wouldn't do that. Well, I tell you what, after you've been married 20-something years, you'll do it. <laughs> so we actually created a sex schedule. So we talked. Love it. Yeah. We sat down and we had a talk. What are your needs? Like, what do you need? So that we're not arguing because you're not in the mood and you're never in the mood and blah, blah, blah. What are your needs? Like, seriously, how many times a week do you need to be intimate? One time, two times, three times? All right. And let me tell you what my needs are. This goes back to expectations. Exactly. And then let's kind of meet in the middle because, look, we're not doing it seven days a week. <laughs> That's not happening. <laughs> so let's come to an agreement and then take it a step further. Let's choose the days that we're going to be intimate. All right. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, those are our days. Or Friday night's our day. Or Wednesday's our day. And the great thing about that, ladies, is that it gives you time to get your mind right. Yes. To get yourself in the mood because you know it's coming. Yeah, because men so, are always in right, the mood. Exactly. <laughs> So if Wednesday's your day, then on Wednesday, you know, okay, it's going to be on and popping tonight. I got to get myself ready. You put the music on. (laughs) Got to put the music on, send each other text messages throughout the day. Oh, I, I can't just wait like to, to see say you. the guys at the table. Milton's here doing all of our recording. He's saying They're just kind of like not giving anybody eye contact right now. It's so funny. It would be weird if we're just looking at each other. <laughs> but let me tell you, that worked. It yeah, does work. That worked so well for us. Yeah, because everybody's needs were met. No more arguing because we know what what day is our day and yeah, and I, yeah. I mean, because, again, we talked about it at the very beginning, men are different from women. And a lot of times as women, 
especially depending on the season of life you're Mm -hmm. in. Very true. You know, intimacy and sex and stuff like that. There's some romance and all of that. And just in the regularities of life, sometimes that gets, you know, it's lacking. And as women, we're thinking about our kids. We're, you know, what's going to be for dinner? And, you know, you just got all this stuff going on. So to like to swing almost, if you will, if you haven't like thought about it and prepared yourself, it's harder for us, I think, as women to kind of make that shift. Um, That's been our experience. I know even sitting down with a lot of couples, that's a real issue. And I know when you shared that in that class that we were doing, I was like, you know, no one had ever said that. I'm like, that's actually a, it can be really, really helpful for a lot of people, especially for women to just know kind of like what those expectations are and prepare yourself mm-hmm. so that you stop thinking about your kids and <laughs> everything. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, Anything else you want to share about that? <laughs> sometimes it's not even just a matter of, sometimes it's our bodies are changing, you know, because yeah. we're getting older, but we're in such a busy society. And, yeah. you know, sometimes it's just, we're just busy. Yeah, we're both just doing so many different things that we're not taking the time for each other. We're not being intentional. Yeah. So, yeah, put it on the calendar, guys or ladies. Sit down and have that talk. You know, another thing I'd like to share I thought about is um, regular meetings like Michael and I. Every quarter we come together and we have a marriage meeting and we talk about Mm. our marriage. It's on the calendar. So every quarter, you are a high D (laughs) (laughs) every quarter. We're having a marriage meeting. How's the marriage going? What do you think? Are your needs being met? What's going on? You know, what do you see that we need to, you know, change or do or whatever? He never has anything. I always have a list. (laughs) (laughs) He's an ass. (laughs) Right. He's going, you know, Bill and I just sat down. We weren't specifically talking about marriage, but we did talk about, you know, what are some of the things that you want to do? What are some of the places that you want to go? Mm-hmm. And like, and kind of created like our marriage bucket list. And one of the things that we had put on there was we wanted to go and ski out West. And so because we had um, next thought week, about we're actually we're accomplishing it. And so it's one of the things you said earlier, have a vision, Yeah. you know, and sit down and talk about some of those conversations and then you can be better equipped to prepare for them, whether it's yeah. sex, whether it's vacation, whether it's, you know, date nights, whatever. So that's awesome. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. That's yeah, this has been really fun today. I'm glad that you guys were able to show up and be here with us and talk about marriage and talk about building a relationship well. I've learned a lot today for my marriage, and hopefully anybody that's listening today has a lot of things to take away too. So thank you so much for being here. Well, guys, that's it for today. We hope that you have enjoyed today's episode and that you have gleaned some insight on how to keep rocking your relationships. Feel free to share this episode with someone you love, leave us five stars, or an uplifting comment. We always love receiving feedback. Thank you so much for listening today. We can't wait to meet you back here at First of Maine, your avenue to living well.